Let's go. Welcome to another episode of Let's Go Hockey Podcast. I am your co-host, Pete Cammon of Elevated Hockey. Today, we interviewed Andrew Trimble of the New England Wolves program of the EHL. Today with me, co-host, who we got here? Danny Heath with Project Hockey. Uh, Super excited about this one. I wasn't able to sit in on the interview, but after listening back, honestly, it's cool with the EHL, the Eastern Hockey League, and what they got going on. Like, that's a top-notch program, and it's a place that it's good to send your hockey player to. And so, I'm excited to uh, to dig into this one and 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 uh, talk a little bit with Coach. But what it, what uh, what stuck out to you? What are you excited about? Yeah, I, I'm with you there, Danny. I think the the EHL is he's, Andrew's our first guest from the EHL. It's, it's a it's a solid league that I think doesn't get talked enough about, but it's just like a D3 factory for kids. So, um, I'm excited to share that. But you know this. Andrew's an interesting guy because uh, not only is he a well-respected guy out on the East Coast, but he not only is he a coach and a skill developer and skills trainer, skills coach, but he's also an owner of the program. And so he he owns the the, the two junior teams and the entire you know any Wolves program. So getting to tap into his um, experience that way was pretty interesting for me to look at. Uh, you know, a lot of times we always talk about players and we talk about coaches. Uh, but this is kind of the first interview we really uh, dug in with with an owner of a program to really talk about some of the, the nitty gritty what it's like to own a junior hockey franchise. So love that. Yeah, I love that. Before we um, before we dig into that, we got summer coming up. We got spring right around the corner, which means golf season, uh, which I'm super excited about. I actually just played a couple rounds back home in Phoenix. Only shot 11 over, so that's not bad. <laughs> Um, what do you, what do you got going on, um, for this off season coming up here out in Montana, as far as camps and I got some different things coming up. What's going on in your world with that coach? Yeah, kind of busy, busy. I'm, I'm wrapping up the little bit here in Bozeman with, uh, two more elevated weekend camps, kind of postseason camps go before we head into the USA hockey, uh, player development program ladder with the state, you know, the state camp and the district camp and then the national camps, um, I usually go to the national camp and in a regional camp. I'm not sure if I'm going this, this year or not, cause we got a, a kid on the way. So I may not be doing that, but uh, I am doing two summer camps, two new elevated summer camps up in Whitefish, Montana. It's just South of Calgary uh, end of June, the last weekend of June 28th through the second. And then we're also doing one um, August 9th through the, I think it's the 13th. So we're going to be getting kids 15 hours of ice time, some off ice instruction, training, know-how i got some uh former d1 players helping me out to help instruction so it's not just me but fired up it's going to be fun for someone putting on these uh week-long summer camps in whitefish and it's an awesome place so excited to get it rolling yeah that does sound phenomenal and there, there's like if you're from out of town i'm sure there there's going to be some accommodations as far i mean i guess i don't know much about that town but there's got to be some some hotels and stuff around there that people can come and almost make a vacation out of is that a pretty good vacation spot Absolutely. Uh, Whitefish, it's up in northern Montana, but it's a big ski resort town. And ski resort towns in the summer are like the best places ever because there's still all the uh, restaurants, shops, hotels, fly fishing, rafting, golfing. It's right at like the entrance to Glacier National Park. So a lot of people go up there in the summer. It's kind of a big destination. So uh, yeah, so I'm excited to get on the ice up there this summer and work with uh, some of my regular players and a whole bunch of new players too. So that's going to be a good time. Well, there you go. You can take a trip up there. You can enjoy the time with family, get a little hockey training in. And I don't know, sounds awesome to me. So you can sign me up, but uh, that's <laughs> awesome. I'm uh, this interview. 
Um, before you jump into it, hit that like button, smash it, cross check it, whatever you got to do. And anything else I'm missing, Coach? I think that's it. I think uh, I think we let this one roll, and we say uh, we say let's go. Let's go. This interview was brought to you by our friends at HockeyWolf.com. If you love the game of hockey or just know someone who does, you need to visit HockeyWolf.com today. Hockey Wolf has physical locations in Montana and Washington State, but if you aren't lucky enough to live near one of their stores, you can always visit their website and place an order at any time. They have everything you need from skates and sticks to shower slips and hoodies. And for all of you coaches and organizational leaders out there, listen up because Hockey Wolf provides some of the best team sales services in all of North America. So if your team needs new helmets, maybe some gloves, boxes of tape, even some warm-up suits and training gear, Hockey Wolf has you covered. So like we always say, go support Hockey Wolf because they support us. That's H-O-C-K-E-Y-W-O-L-F.com. And hey, for all of you lacrosse players out there, make sure you visit lacrossewolf.com too. All right, let's go to the interview. Originally hailing from New Jersey, he played NCAA D3 hockey at Buffalo State College. Uh, when he moved into coaching, he's worked at multiple levels, including youth, high school, junior, and college hockey across the eastern U.S. seaboard. He's also a well-respected player development and skills coach for multiple programs and camps, plus has been active with USA Hockey as a district player development camp coach and evaluator. He's currently the GM and co-owner of the New England Wolves franchise of the EHL and EHLP as well as serving as an assistant coach for the Wolves EHL team and the 16U full season team. In addition to that, he's also the owner of Scoring Concepts, a skill development training company featuring camps, clinics, private lessons, and team consulting. Andrew Trimble, welcome to the Let's Go Hockey podcast. How's it going today? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. This is a, a big, big fan, big listener of the podcast. So glad to join the elite crew of being on it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that, the uh, elite crew, but we're happy to have you on. I know that uh, you and I have, have spoken before and we've exchanged some messages, haven't met in person, but uh, you know, I know we've had some, uh, a couple of my, my college players or one of my college players played for you in the past. And, you know, so we've got a few, uh, you know, our circles have, have crossed a few times, paths have crossed, but so I'm excited to have you on. I'm excited to get to know you a little bit better and, and pick your brain. Uh, you know, we were talking before this about a couple of your, um, different than some of our other guests, you know, one, you're a coach, like a lot of our guests. So I think we'll have some great advice from you for, for different aspects of that, but also diving in as a, as a, a junior hockey franchise, like a team owner, not just a team, but a franchise owner. So I want to dive yeah. into that a little bit too, but before we get into that, why don't we go into your story? Like how did you first get hooked on hockey or how did you get involved with the game? Yeah. Well, my grandfather um, worked for about 25 years as the director of on ice officials with the New Jersey devils. Uh, and my father was a coach and he ran the ocean hockey schools in Bricktown, New Jersey for 15 years. And, you know, there's some great players who've come out of Bricktown. Uh, so I grew up in a hockey family. Um, and it was always my dream, even being a little kid, I remember getting those hockey digests in the mail and I would, uh, I would look through to the back of it and take it on car rides with my grandfather when we go somewhere and we talk hockey. Uh, so it's always been my passion to be involved with hockey my whole life. And, um, after college, uh, you know, I got into the, the working world for a number of years and kind of stepped away from the game. Um, but it was great to get back into it through coaching. I never really had an ambition to you know, play men's league or anything like that. Nothing against men's league, but it was just uh, I wanted a different path. And, and coaching provided that 
uh, entrance back into the game. And, and I've been coaching full-time for the last 10 years since, and it's been just a really rewarding experience. That's fantastic. No, I, you know, it's funny because you, you mentioned that you worked outside the game and then you kind of got drawn back into it. And I find, uh, this is just my own personal opinion, but I know like when we've looked for, I've helped with like job searches for people, like for organizations looking for a new coach or, uh, specifically a youth, you know, youth hockey, like my local one, when we did a, a hockey director search and that was part of my thing. I was like, like find a guy that loves the game so much. Like he, he, he ran his course in hockey and then went out and went out and like into the workforce and, and did the job thing and then loved it so much. He came back. And like, if you can find those guys, I feel like that's a winner. Um, now granted some guys just go through hockey straight through and that's fine. Um, but I have always put a lot of, uh, value on those guys that get out, get some experience in the kind of the real working world and then bring that back into the game of hockey. And I think that those guys can find, um, a little bit higher level of success and organization and, and experience to draw from and, on top of that, just love for the game. Like you, you can't get away from it if you really love it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, not to put my own tires on like that, but I think it gave me a different perspective too. Uh, you know, I worked in, in, you know, and I was a financial advisor for 10 years. Um, so I dealt with clients and families and, um, and, you know, a little bit of the sales aspect of communicating with people. Um, so when I was, you know, building my teams and, and talking to kids and talking to parents, that came pretty naturally rather than someone who's just stepping away from a game. Uh, and I think that's given me a kind of you know, an advantage in some respects when, when you're addressing a team or a family and you're trying to recruit a kid. Right. Yeah, definitely hones a different skill set versus just coming from the ice. But uh, so yeah. let's talk about that when you, you made that transition back into coaching. Um, so why don't you walk us through coming maybe real quick, a couple of the different levels you've coached um, before your current position and then maybe what, uh, yeah, let's let's run through there and then and talk about what some of the differences are from from then to now. Sure. Um, when I first started, it was you know an assistant coach at a high school in New Jersey. Uh, my friend had gotten the head coaching job, and he was like, "Andy, I, you know, I want you to coach with me." And I said, "I don't know with my work schedule if I could ever do that." Um, but it was the best thing I ever did. You know, just assisting him and and getting back in communicating with kids and being part of the game. Um, I got so much so that like at the end of the year, I had so much fun with it. Um, that year I, I finished up in like January and February uh, coaching the Columbia university women's hockey team. They're an ACHA uh, Div- division one or two, whatever they are um, team. And that was a ton of fun. I was like, I got to do more of this. <laughs> so I got a high school coaching job. And then uh, that was in New Jersey. And then I also started coaching an assistant coach on the junior team in New Jersey. And eventually my wife said, uh, you know, we're moving up to New Hampshire. And then it became full steam ahead. And I, uh, you know, started coaching really full-time, uh, with my plant camp and clinic business and then junior hockey full-time. Hey, right, so walk me through a little bit about like, as I mentioned in your bio, you know, you're one of the, you're involved for, you're one of the co-owners and the GM and, and one of the coaches for the, in the EHL for the new England wolves. But before we jump into the wolves franchise and the, the program as itself, cause I really want to dive into that. Um, yeah. But talk about your, your experience in junior hockey specifically before you kind of, you know, what led you into where you are now in the wolves? Sure. Well, I, um, in New Jersey, it was a, I was an assistant coach, assistant GM with a team called the, the Trenton Habs. They were in the old uh, interstate, or not interstate, it was International Junior Hockey League. Uh, they merged into coming the, the NA3, that league, which is now. Um, and then we moved to New Hampshire, and I coached uh, an assistant coach with the Laconia Leafs in the old Atlantic Junior Hockey League. Um, the year after that, they went dormant, and I was hired by the New Hampshire Junior Monarchs, and I coached there a year. Um, 
And then when they were looking to, uh, you know, New England Wolves were purchasing, you know, their EHL franchise, they looked for a person who could run the uh, Laconia operation. And uh, I was recommended by some of the board members of, of the Winnipesaukee Skating Club. And I was I accepted the job running the Laconia location for the New England Wolves. So I've had a couple of different trips around with different organizations. And I, you know, I've had good relationships with all those organizations. I let on good, let, left on good terms. And I learned a lot, you know, like I think kids always want to have head coaching jobs or they want to have, you know, the, the coach, the A team or whatever. But I think it's so valuable to coach with other people to get, feedback input to do make mistakes <laughs> and then also learn how to do things the right way. And, and uh, that's led me to where I am now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I feel for the kids, like a younger coach. And I think we're seeing it sometimes in, in tier three, that junior hockey, where you get a, a younger coach in that just whatever the circumstances might not always be ready to be that head coach. <clears throat> and I, I, you know, I feel for those guys because I, I was kind of the opposite in that I, because I was doing hockey part-time for a long time and, you know, I was kind of like you were, I was fortunate enough to be an assistant under a couple of very, you know, very skilled, very successful career coaches. And, you know, the, the pieces you can take away from those guys of like, you know, this is how it's done or also like, this is how I don't like doing it. Like you, you, that's, <laughs> it kind of for, helps form your own, uh, your own way of doing things. And I think that's important. And, and I, you know, I mean, there, there's one thing, there's something to be said about, you know, trial by fire and figuring it out. But I, I, I just like the importance of a mentor is a, is a big thing. So, you know, is, are there any coaches as you kind of formed early on, any coaches you worked with that were pretty instrumental in, in developing kind of your coaching style now? Yeah. I worked with Oak Ty Armigan in New Jersey for a long time and Eric Boulay. Uh, those guys ran that program down in, in the Jersey shore and Oak Ty's done a bunch of, bunch of stuff in the North American hockey league. And he's, he's been on the East coast for a long time. Uh, and he's done, he's, he's a fantastic coach. Um, he takes a really a different angle to things. Uh, his skill sessions are way different than a lot of other people's traditional skill sessions. Uh, I, I coached under Will Faye here in Laconia. I learned a lot from him. Uh, and then the Monarchs organization with Ryan Frew, I learned, a, learned a lot from him, uh, just watching and observing as it was, a, you know, when I left there, there was a really a great culture of winning and, uh, it was like contagious in the building. They expected to win and they, they, uh, they really had that. That was their MO. I love that. Yeah. That, that culture piece is a big one. It's hard to put your finger on it exactly, but you know, when you've got it, 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 it helps smooth out a lot of wrinkles where the guys just, they expect to win every night. And, uh, definitely it's, it's, it's huge. And that's something that I know with my teams, like you can sometimes have to see these teams that are just talented, but they just don't know how to win. They lose a lot of close games or, you know, versus the guys that all of a sudden just you get that mindset in that you're going to win every night no matter what, and you you, you're, you end up beating teams better than you because you just you just learn how to win, right? <laughs> definitely, so, definitely. Yeah, I try hard to make my kids uh, learn that it's it's easier said than done, but that's uh, that's an important piece. I think that's one of those like nebulous things that uh, is a big piece of it. So let's <laughs> absolutely let's let's talk about the New England Wolves a little bit. So tell me. Give me the rundown. I got a few questions for you about the Wolves, but um, you know, like I know my experience with the Wolves, I know a little bit. I follow along. You, you and I have talked uh, before, and <clears throat> just geeking out on on stats. I always look and see who's doing what, and you know, and one of my leading scorer for the last couple of years for my college team came from the Wolves. He played his uh, his junior hockey at uh, in the Wolves program for I think it was just one season, maybe two, but. Uh, you know, he's a good kid doing good things for us at, at the college level. And so why don't you tell us a little bit about the, the new England wolves 
program and what it kind of what you, your take on it is. Sure. Uh, might we just segue a little bit into about Ryan? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, Ryan Padden. Uh, Ryan, Ryan Padden is uh, he's a senior. I'm trying to get him to come back for one more season for us because he's the all-time leading scorer for our Montana State University team, ACHA D2. Um, he pretty much scores at will for us. And uh, <laughs> he's been a leading scorer every year he's been uh, uh, on the roster for us. So he's got one more year of eligibility. I'm trying to talk him into using it and not graduating, but good kid. <laughs> Uh, you know, well, he, and his brother, he, his younger brother's on the team as well. Uh, oh, that's awesome. Taylor, right? Taylor. Yeah. Taylor's on the team as well. So good. So good Ryan guys. came to us. He came to us halfway through my first season in Laconia. It was 2014, 15. Um, we had, you know, you're talking about trying to build culture. So that first year we started off like three and eight and we brought on a life coach. We made some, we really focused on a lot of player development and building a culture. And by Christmas, we were all the way in second place really competing for that first spot. But I knew that we had a couple of kids who were leaving at Christmas because they were going back to their high school. So you know, recruiting season started again in a lot of ways. And um, I started to communicate with Ryan's parents and we wanted to get him to come out for the second half of his senior year to do online schooling here in Laconia. And uh, I remember talking to one of his school administrators and was like, you know, what are the approved platforms you can do in Montana that could be transferable? And she was, she said to me, um, oh, you know, it, it, there's no real online platform. The school's only six kids. So he, he can just come on out and we'll just like send him emails and stuff. And I was like, six, you mean six kids in like his class? And she's like, no, no, no. Six kids in his entire grade. <laughs> yeah. yeah <laughs> much, he's... I was pretty blown away by that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ryan and Taylor, they're from, uh, they're from up North, right on the Canadian border, Northern Montana. I think it's Fort Peck. <laughs> they're, uh, they're out there. So they're, yeah, he's uh, he grew up a little, you know, in out in the, the rural areas of Montana, which is awesome. Like that yeah, place is absolutely. It's, a, it's a great place to grow up. So, and he told, and so he, he came at Christmas, he played that second half. He scored the winning goal the first weekend in overtime against the Vermont Lumberjacks, had us in tied in first place, ran up making the playoffs and he came back for his second year, second year. He did really well. And then he was ready to go to college. You know, he probably had another year of eligibility left, but, you know, he was ready to go and, and ready to go, to go to school and get move on with his uh, experience. So we, I loved having Ryan here. One of the best kids we ever had. Just a nice, good kid. There you go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, he, I know he speaks highly of his time there with the Wolves. So let's dive into that. So you, you, uh, like, let's talk about the, the Wolves program and, and what you've got going there today. Sure. Well, the Wolves program was formed about 10 years ago in Waterville Valley in the 2014-15 season. They were expanding the operation, so they hired me to run the Laconia branch of it. Uh, we started off as like the, a junior B team here in Laconia, uh, and they asked that I start to build out the youth. We added a couple of split-season teams, uh, and then the, the Laconia branch was doing a little bit better than the Waterville branch, so they moved everything to Laconia in 2016. And then the owner at the time, a name, gentleman by the name of Steve Jacobs, he's kind of a legend out here on the East Coast, he had an opportunity to go back to Cushing Academy and become the head coach again there. Um, so he did that and he sold the program to Tim Kuhns and myself. And we really made at that point a really concerted effort to build our academy. Uh, so we have, you know, from U14, we have one team at each level, U14, U15, U16. And then we have our U19, our EHLP, and then our U20 EHL team. So we've kind of focused on quality over quantity, like one team per level, not decimating the youth the local youth programs, but just kind of taking in kids from, you know, one program from each 
one gift from each program and kind of building out that way. And it's been, it's been a fun experience. Nice. So when you, so are a lot of your kids coming up through the pipeline then through those different programs from, from one age to the next. And, um, and when you do that, when you start the, the, the season with those kids, like one, they've already been in the program a little bit, but um, any new kids coming in and are, are there any sort of like culture pieces or philosophies to your program that translate through those teams that you're like must haves that you say, this is wolves hockey. Yeah. So, you know, we do a lot of, uh, we have a great, we're pretty good facilities and, and, you know, our EHL head coach does a lot of um, video meetings early on with the teams during our training camp. Of what is Wolves hockey? How do we play? Uh, what are the components of Wolves hockey? What does offensive zone hockey look like? What does defensive zone hockey play without the puck, with the puck? Um, and then we have some components that we like to carry as kind of part of our mission statement. Um, each team has a, has a jacket. You know, we, we hand that out at the end of each game, win or lose. Um, that kind of we pass upon pass out in our room for people that have given, have given the extra effort. And then we have a large community service component that each team has to, has to contribute to. So, um, you know, on and off the ice, we're trying to create that culture of, of winning, but also, also doing the right thing. Right. Building, building good people, not just hockey yeah. players. Right. So let's, uh, let's talk about on the ice. <clears throat> what is a, uh, you know, looking at the EHL team or, or any team, like what does an average week or month look like for a player? Um, you know, cause I think a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are players and parents of, of youth hockey or, uh, our high school hockey, and they have aspirations to play in junior hockey. So can you shed some light on what that junior hockey experience might look like for a player coming into your organization? Sure. I mean, our kids in a normal year, this is COVID has changed everything. It's been reschedule after reschedule and been a lot of extra work. Uh, and then sometimes it's like, I've said to people, like, I just want to, I just want to coach hockey. Like, I feel like I've been emailing and rescheduling all year. I just want to coach hockey. Um, but in a normal week, uh, you know, we have the, uh, the kids are on the ice two times a day. Uh, they get on the ice first thing in the morning at 8 a.m. for their skill session. Then they have a team practice after that. Um, we have our own gym. So they're, they're in the gym every single day. And we, you know, move through our workouts throughout the week, depending upon our, our, our game schedule from, you know, more strength days to later in the week, we have a yoga day on Thursdays. Uh, then there, there's dedicated classroom hours. So whether our kids are in the academy or they're taking uh, courses at Lakes Region Community College, they have to be invested in their academics and we have a classroom right at the rink that they have to be, have mandatory hours there. So, um, and we try to make it a holistic program where it's not just you're coming here for an hour and a half a day of your on ice practice. You're coming here for the full experience. Nice. So it comes, uh, <clears throat> comes all in. So you're on the ice twice a day. I haven't heard that from a lot of junior yeah. hockey coaches. I think that's, that's probably a pretty big, is that, is that unique in your league you think, or is it uh, are a lot of the guys out there doing that? I do. I, I, you know, it's, it's, and sometimes there are 16 Academy kids because we have some kids in school. They'll be on the ice actually three times a day. Um, and you know, it's not necessarily like the hours of practice. Like, I mean, we, you know, those kids are on the ice for, two hours a day or two times a day, it's probably only two and a half to three hours that they're on for. But I think um, for player development, it makes a big difference to separate the skill sessions from the practice sessions. So they're on the ice in the morning for skills. It's either a power skating or a puck skill session or a goalie training or forward skills or defenseman skills, but then they can just have a little break in between and then they can get back to their team practice. So the concepts are different. Um, and I think it creates a better athlete when you have a separation of those types of practices because they're, they're very different 
very different practices. Hmm. I like that. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I know like, <clears throat> like my local junior team here that I'm starting to help out with a little bit, the Bozeman ice dogs and, you know, they have a, a pretty big chunk of time in the morning. They skate once a day in uh, but I think it's like two, it's a little over two hours around the ice. And so it's kind of interesting. You break it up into two completely separate practices. I kind of like that. That's yeah. I mean, I get, I mean, if you're doing like power skating at the beginning of a practice, then you go right into the team practice. It almost just feels like a warm up. So the kids kind of like aren't as invested in it. If you were to take like, I mean, I don't know, then every program is different, but I think that if you were to take maybe that first 40 minutes, they just focus on the skills, they get off the ice, ice cut, think about, get ready for practice. And they go back on for an hour for their team practice. You know, that it kind of changes the dynamic of how you're doing things. That's interesting. I like that. That's cool. I haven't heard, uh, I haven't had a coach tell me that before, but I, I mean, it makes sense. I, I get yeah. it. So that's pretty cool. Well, let's, um, <clears throat> All right. So your kids are on the ice, you know, two sessions a day, and then you got the, the, the weekend games in a normal season. And, um, but let's switch gears to behind, behind the scenes. So, I mean, we talked about your coach and you have your own, you know, drills and philosophies and things like that. And I'll get to that in a second too, with scoring concepts, but I really want to tee in on, on you as a, like a, fr- a junior hockey franchise owner. And the reason that, you know, you're the first guy that's come on our, our podcast that, that owns a team, right? We, we talked to a lot of coaches and players and player development guys and things like that. But from a perspective of a junior team owner, I, I've got to bet that there's a lot more that goes on behind the scenes uh, than people have any concept of. And, you know, I was like, Oh, it'd be fun to own a junior team. Like it'd be fun to own a team. You know, it's kind of like a, a mini professional sports team. It's like a mini NHL team, right? Like I want to be, I want to own a hockey team. What goes on behind the scenes as a, as a hockey owner that people might not like, what's the day, the day look like? And what, what do people not realize? It goes. Sure. Well, I think they, you know, people, like, like you said, people think that they're owning, you know, owning the Charlestown chiefs or something like that. It's, and it's not like that. It's like, yeah, you might get a little bit of gate or attendance and that might help out with a, a meal on, the, on a road trip, but really you're tuition driven. And, uh, I think there's really two types of owners in our league. There's rink owners who you know are looking to fill that daytime slot with you know a team, a junior team that has kids who aren't in school. And then there's p- people like myself uh, and Tim Coons, who's, who's my co-owner, uh, and we are player development people that we want to. We're coaches and we're also owners of the team. So, and I think that creates a real dynamic shift. Um, if you're a rink owner, you're looking purely at the bottom line. You want to you know fill in that ice time that dead ice it's all kind of found money at a certain point because your compressors are on your lights are on you're open for business but you can't rent the ice because kids are in school now you put it in a junior team now you're now you're making money um with with tim and myself we're really looking at how can we build this organization and this team and what can we get the most out of these athletes what can we provide to them that could make us the most successful team we can on the ice and that's really kind of different um you know, in terms of what a day-to-day looks like, I mean, a lot of my time is spent uh, communicating with my league partners, making sure that we have, you know, the lights come on and we got officials for every game and we have, uh, you know, people doing the live scoring and, and hockey TV and all that kind of stuff. And then we're also recruiting and we're also scheduling and, you know, making sure that the organization is run smoothly. That's, that's kind of my, where, where I kind of fill up my day mostly. Yeah, I bet. Cause I mean, at the end of the day, it's a business. You got to keep the wheels on and, and there's a lot of admin that goes into that. It's just not just uh, showing up at the rink and on game day and, and uh, having seats filled and the game happening, right. There's a lot of, uh, 
a lot of turning the cranks behind the curtain the, to make things work. I'm, and I'm sure it's a lot more in depth and, and uh, bigger headaches than, than you even uh, led on to. Cause I can imagine. And, you know, a lot of kids, like I'll get a lot of suge- <laughs> suggestions from people of, you know, why don't we use the mascot more? Or why don't we like, you know, we need to up the production quality on the hockey TV and, you know, we, we do the best we can, but like really it comes down to the product on the ice and getting our kids the best athletes they can be and getting them on the school. Like that's, I think that's the, the primary focus of uh, myself as a coach and as an owner. Um, would I like to have the mascot more? Yeah. But if they're not entertaining anybody in the stands, what does it matter? You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, that, that, that leads me into kind of another thought is that, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of more of a West Western guy kind of guy. I mean, I, I'm out in Montana. I, I, I the, the teams I see are in Colorado and Washington and, um, you know, North Dakota. And, and so the, the EHL is kind of a different animal for me, right? Like I, you know, I'm, I'm, I live right and, and work with a team that's in the, in the NA3, and, and work with, you know, with Minot in the North American league. And, and so the EHL is a different animal for me, but in the last two to three years, like I'm, I'm starting to, you know, like talking with you and then I've got a, you know, a, a friend of mine, that's a, a head coach in the league as well. And, you know, we've had a couple players, Ryan, that we mentioned, you know, I've got another player from the Vermont lumberjacks on my roster right now. I've got a kid from Seacoast coming in next season and we're talking um, with a couple other players. So the EHL is really interesting to me um, because of, you know, like kind of what it is as far as like a fact, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, it's kind of like a factory of NCAA D3 hockey players. And, you know, over the last couple of years, I feel like it's really set itself apart in that way where we're seeing more and more kids like really just being pumped into that, that D3 level from that league. And, you know, I, I had a chance to skate with a couple of them over break when they're, they're here in Montana training, you know, before their NCAA D3 season started. But what are your thoughts on that? As far as the EHL as a league as a whole, like, what do you think the league's identity is or like the kids that gravitate towards that league? Cause you know, the tier three, there's a lot of different options for, for leagues and teams and things, but what kind of player do you think gravitates towards that EHL and what does the league provide for those players? I think we do a really good job um, of marketing our organizations and our players. Uh, we have a great uh, director of PR. His name's Neil Ravin, and he does a really good job of putting together things that are exciting for kids and exciting for like scouts to come and attend. You know, we've had a great Frozen Finals at Providence College the last couple of years. Uh, our our All Star games are against college teams. Like we play Division three college in, in our All Star games, uh, and then our showcases are really right. They're not in outlier places where it's college coaches have to travel to. Uh, they're in Massachusetts or they're they're in Connecticut which are right in the backyard of all division two and division three college hockey. So I think the kids that are attracted to that are kids that their primary focus is, is who are good academically and they want to get to college. So um, they take, you know, they, they take that EHL route. And, um, you know, I think, I think that's, it's, I think there's good teams and good organizations in every league. Like, you know, what, what I say, our league is, you know, better than other teams in other leagues. I couldn't say that. I mean, but I think our league does a great job of knowing where we are and getting kids on the school and getting kids to the level they want to be at and getting them in front of those coaches. Yeah. I mean, I would agree with that. I think there's, there's strong teams and programs across the country in, in all the various different leagues, but uh, yeah, the EHL has really just caught my attention in the last couple of seasons because of the the caliber of D three players they're pumping out. And um, 
you know, I think that that's, I've started talking with some of my players out here where they start looking at different, different leagues and where to go. And, you know, I was like, that's, that's a league you've really got to look at seriously. If you want to be playing college hockey, especially if you want to be playing college hockey out on the East coast. Well, let, let's jump away from junior hockey for a second. Um, and, and this kind of ties in with a little bit, but, you know, I want to talk about scoring concepts. So scoring, yeah, tell me a little bit about scoring concepts and kind of what your mission and goal of, of that is. Sure. Well, I, I started scoring concepts in New Jersey about 10 years ago. Uh, I noticed that in the rinks that I was coaching high school out of and, and working out of, there wasn't a ton of private people doing private lessons. They were, uh, it was either really, it was like a lot of figure skating lessons or it was a lot of those large camps. And I thought that you could accomplish a lot in a smaller camp or doing two or three days or doing private lessons or small group lessons. So I tried to carve out that niche for myself. And I took a couple years in New Jersey and got some, had some great kids. Uh, actually a couple of kids that are still playing hockey were with me when they're six or seven years old. Um, and then we moved up to New Hampshire in 20, 2012. And uh, it really started to even grow even more where I was um, doing, doing, uh, running whole organizations, doing their skills development, and then doing camps and clinics up here in New Hampshire. Um, and I, you know, I do things a little bit different than some other other skills people. And I think that, um, you know, it ha that has its merits, you know? Nice. Yeah. I, I, I kind of do, I, I'm interested in what you do with scoring concepts because <clears throat> what I do with elevated, I think there's some crossover there. Right. And, uh, and, and, and I'm starting to do more and more with the small group concept away from the bigger camps. And I, it's fun watching those players just accelerate yeah. their development when they, they get that, that more personalized attention or they're really fine tuning some of those details. So I know I see your, some of the stuff you do online and on social media, it's kind of fun to see, uh, you know, steal drills from you and, and see what you're doing <laughs> with your kids and stuff. So very cool. Thanks. Thanks. Um, but that takes me to the players. I two more questions here, and then we'll kind of start wrapping it up. But one, I want to, you know, I, I get asked this a lot. And so for a, a coach in your position and, and as a franchise owner, like I get kids asking me, like, you know, I, I want to play hockey. Like they're graduate, they're either still in high school or they're graduating high school and they're looking ahead. And this season more so than ever, because there's so much uncertainty out there. But you know, a kid is interested in playing junior hockey what kind of like what path should that kid take to get seen or get on a roster for this coming season? What kind of advice would you extend to a player like that? So many uncertainties with this upcoming year uh, with mass events and tryout camps. Um, that's really, really a struggle on the, on the other end of that technology has taken over everything. So we now have, you know, you have a live barn in your buildings or you have hockey TV or your games are broadcast on YouTube or your local high school. So there's so many opportunities to, to, you know, make yourself available and your game available to, to the coaches that you're looking to play for. Um, so that's a, that's a positive, you know, every year we have kids that are in the organization that are doing well, that we want to have back that want to chase some other, other dream. But I think it's a kids have to come to realities and see where the best level for them to play at is. And uh, <laughs> so I think that, uh, you know, I think that, being honest with yourself, but also staying focused on your game and developing yourself is of critical importance this year. You know, I think kids can reach out to college coaches or not college, excuse me, junior coaches and tell them what they want. Be like, you know, coach, I'm looking to play at this level. I think I'm capable of playing here one day. What do I need to do to get on your roster? How can I, how can I be seen by you? Here's some videos, some games and, and just make yourself available. I think that makes a big difference. No, I think that's good advice. I, I, I say, some very similar, like, you know, 
if you, if you, you can identify a couple of programs or teams or even leagues you want to be in and strive towards, like you've got to get on those guys' radars. Like they're not yeah. necessarily going to come knocking at the door, you know, unless they know who you are. And sometimes that you need to let yourself be known first so that they can follow up and say, okay, yeah, I am interested in this kid because you, know, you got to, sometimes you got to be the one that, that knocks first in order, in order to get that door open. So, yeah. And on, on the other end of that too, it's like, you know, kids will ask Tim Coons and myself at the end of the season, what do I need to do to get better? And what I'd like to say to all of them is you need to do everything. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> yeah. but like, you can't say that. You can't say that to a kid, but like if you see Sidney Crosby working on with a private instructor, you know, working on his game, if you see, you know, NHL uh, practices being run by skills coaches, then kid, you have to realize you need to get better at everything. So you can't try out all summer at all these different camps and just, you know, be seen in games. You, you really need to use that time in the off season, which we have coming up here. Um, to get stronger, to get faster, to build your body up, to have a passion and love for the game, not just be trying out all the time. I, I can't stress that to kids enough that, you know, find a level you're good at, communicate with those coaches to get seen by those coaches, but also get better. Yeah, no, that's solid advice for players. Definitely. I appreciate that. Well, let's, let's go to the other side of that coin and say, uh, you know, youth hockey player uh, coaches in regards to player development. Um, you know, what can, what can a coach that's listening to this implement uh, to help their players to prepare them for junior or college hockey? I, I think it always starts with like, uh, certainly at, at the youth level, it always starts with like a real passion for being with and coaching kids. Like, you know, the day we're coaching hockey, hockey's fun. You got to want to get on the ice and show like a passion and a fun for being on the ice. You see so many coaches that are, have, you know, have been doing it too long and they're not that happy out there and they're kind of, yelling or screaming at the kids and the kid's not having a good experience when that's happening. And, and honestly, you gotta be honest with yourself. You're probably not having that great experience. So like build a passion in the kids for loving to play the game of hockey where they want to come to the rink every single day. And if that means you're playing the last 10 minutes, you're playing, you know, soccer on the ice. Uh, yeah. Maybe they're not learning something from soccer, but they're learning to love the game. And what's more valuable than that. So I would, I would say that at the young level that, um, you know, you, you have to find your passion. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we, I can't remember the episode we talked about this. Maybe it was, we talked about like, never be a player's last coach. Like you've got to get these kids fired up and love and going to the rink. And so then they, they turn into somebody, you know, like yourself that goes and, and hockey such a big part of their life that they come back to the game later on. And not everyone's going to work in hockey, but I think that's a, you know, it, it, it can sometimes sound hollow when you're saying like, you know, make sure they're having fun, but really that's what it all comes down to. It's a game. It needs to be fun. If you're not like, unless you're collecting a paycheck every single day because of your hockey skills, like it's gotta be fun. And even then, if you are collecting a paycheck, like if you're having fun, you're going to be doing a lot better. So you might as well. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, well, that's awesome. Well, I think we're, it's time. We should probably wrap this up. Uh, any, any final thoughts or, or messages out there for the listeners that are, are, are still with us here? No, I, I just appreciate you guys having me on. And I think that these things are so valuable, like the amount of podcasts I listen to and, and the amount of information that you can digest as a coach. Uh, you always got to be sharpening your saw. You always got to be, um, you know, a student of the game. And I think these things, and what you're doing, Pete, is so incredibly valuable. Um, you know, it, it's really important that people get more information, evolve with hockey, and, uh, and keep, keep on the progress of, of growing our game, which is, I think, the best game in the world. 
I love it. I'm on the same page with you, man. I appreciate that. Uh, before we let you go, what's uh, two last things? One, if anybody listening is, is interested and wants to uh, reach out to you or the Wolves program, how can they get in touch with you? Sure. You can go, you know, check us out on social media or our website, www.ne-wolveshockey.com. Or you can, you know, email me scoringconcepts at gmail.com. And um, I love hearing from, from kids reaching out to us. And uh, I love continuing to grow the game. Awesome. Well, we'll put some of those in the, uh, the, the wolves and your scoring concepts in the, in the show notes for people that are listening so they can track you down and follow along. Uh, last thing we do, every, every guest that comes on gives us a, gives us a, let's go. Let's see how, if you want to get fired up or just throw it out there, give us since it's the, uh, let's go hockey podcast. Can we get a, let's go from you? Let's go. All right. Andrew Trimble of the new England wolves. Thanks so much for coming on the show. That's going to do it for, for today. And, uh, we'll be back with you next time. Thanks. Huge thank you to Andrew Trimble for coming on the podcast. It was awesome talking with him, getting to know him a little bit better. Like we mentioned in the, uh, the interview, one of my current players for the last couple of seasons played juniors for Andrew. So we've talked a few times, spoken a few times over the phone, but it's good to really dive in with them. So thank you, Andrew, for coming on. It was a blast talking with you. Danny, what do you say? You want to, you want to jump in on uh, three stars? Absolutely, Andrew. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming out uh, and getting on the podcast. But yeah, third star of the night is simply when when you talked about just the idea of getting better and don't don't just try out, right? Like tryouts are already stressful enough, and if you're if you almost take the mindset where you're just like, right, I'm gonna get out here, I'm gonna get better. Then if you're, I mean, in, in my mind, if you're getting better, then you're doing the best you can, right? And so, how do you find a way to do that? And uh, and just the idea of like. You never know what shift that they're actually watching you. Like what shift does that coach that if you're a defenseman, what shift does a defenseman coach actually just glued to you right now? Or, or what shift is the head coach looking at you? And so just always find that as another opportunity to, to get better. And I just, I love that advice, especially for all you kids out there, whether you're a mite squirt all the way through junior college hockey, pro hockey, whatever. And so love that. Um, that's third star. Let's send it over to Coach Pete. Came in for star number two and star number one. Yes, totally. That was uh, yeah, good advice there. I mean, you can't just walk up to tryouts and expect to, to do things. You got to prepare. You got to compete the whole time. You got to get better while you're doing it. Um, good advice all around that Andrew touched on. Second star for the night. I am going to I'm going to go with something that I really like that he touched on. This was like a small minor little detail of our talk, but uh, you know, I stole this. Danny always says the best coaches are the best thieves. And this is something I just stole from Andrew after we talked about this, but he, he talked about how with his program, he likes to break his practice up into halves and do an ice cut in the middle. And now a lot of people listening to this might not have the ability or the capabilities to do that all the time, but there's some, you know, I tried it today with the junior team that I'm working with and it worked really well. And so, you know, he talked about with his program, they jump out, they do whether it's a fl like flow practice or battle practice or systems or power play, penalty kill, special team stuff. And they go and they exam the ice, go in the locker room, you know, get a snack, refresh, refocus, and then come back out, you know, 10 or 15 minutes later on a fresh ice and do their skill work. And, you know, not only is it just good doing it on fresh ice, it makes, it makes it a little easier, but, uh, you know, the idea of separating, um, the two practices or the, the focuses of the practice helps the players really focus in on 
what the goal of that practice is. And I think that's the big takeaway is being able to help the players focus in on what the goal of that practice is. Even if you're breaking up like, Hey, this first half of this practice, we're going to do this. We're going to come in, take a water break, regroup, and then we're going to go into whatever systems or games or however you want to break it up. But, yeah. but basically segmenting the ice time uh, was pretty cool. I did it myself today, this morning for the first time and it worked, it worked really well. I want to keep doing it. Um, yeah. It's a good thing. So I saw it. <laughs> You can even do that, like, if you don't have the ability for an ice cut. Because, I mean, I do a lot of youth hockey stuff, and we're not just going to take 15 minutes in the middle to do that when you only have an hour of ice. But you could set the – I always use the big clock. Um, I always set it when I get out there. I put whatever time's on there because, one, usually the clocks in the building aren't where I need to see it, and I just like the ticking down. Um, but you could set it for 30 minutes and say, all right, guys, girls, like, when that buzzer goes off, we're switching gears. But from now until then, we are battling. We are doing this. We are doing that. And so you could you could use the clock a little bit. And maybe it's not an ice cut to break it up, but maybe the buzzer noise is something for the kids. Like, okay, we're switching gears. Yeah, I like it. That's the school teacher and you coming out, huh? You got the bell in class. It's time to go. <laughs> I love it. Number one star. What do you got? First star of the night. Uh, I'm going to go with the the concept of being a player first franchise and you know player first as the owner of a franchise and i think that that is pretty obvious um in and of itself but it, it was, became really obvious that that's kind of something that not only is andrew talking about but it's the way that they run their program and you know a lot of programs say that they're 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 player focused or they're player first and and i, and I think all programs should strive to be that but when, you know, this, especially this time of year, a lot of parents are thinking, okay, what team should I play for next year? What, what program should I play for? You know, am I comfortable having my kid leave our house and go billet somewhere else to go play? Um, I think that's a really big key is like, you know, not only like how player focus is that coach, how player focus is that franchise, how player focus is that owner of that franchise. Those are, those are things to look at. And I think that those, um, just that concept is really important in the development of a player. And making sure that when you're choosing where your path in hockey goes for development, that you're choosing, um, you know, the people you surround yourself with the right people. So I think that that's a good takeaway for for this episode is is uh, you know those are big life life choices and and finding a, not only a coach but also a program and a program owner that is player focused, player first focused. I think that's huge, and I think when you do that, you have a hard time going wrong. Yeah. Yeah, it's like my old college coach, Hastings, Mike Hastings, he always talks about that. Like, you know, he might be the the guy in charge or whatever, but if it wasn't for these players, he wouldn't be going very, very far without them. And he, uh, like even acknowledging that, I think, is something where it's like, you know, like I get it. I'm the bench boss. I'm the owner, but it means nothing without a bunch of good hockey players in front of me. And so I love that. Love that. Cool. Awesome. Love it. What uh what else is on the the agenda here? That was a, that was a phenomenal interview. I appreciate you coming on again, coach. Um, excited uh, for people to listen to this one. If you have any like questions, I guess, if you're out there and if you're looking for maybe a topic when coach Cameron and I do just our breakdown stuff, shoot us an email um, and let us know like what kind of topics you love us to cover, especially with, with summer and uh, spring hockey coming up. Absolutely. I think that'll do it for today. We a uh, huge thank you to Andrew Tribble for coming on. We look forward to uh, talking with them again at some point. I look forward to crossing paths in a rink with them sometime soon, hopefully. Uh, but with that, Danny, I think we uh, I think we let it let it rip. What do you say? You want to give us a let's go to sign us off? Absolutely. Let's go.